And welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Office FC podcast. We are having a lovely time starting this podcast that's focused on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Manya. I am a sports writer for Sports Pulse and WTOP. And joining me as always, Mario Amaya from Tiempo Latino. What's up? Hey, man. We're just here living. What a wonderful, rousing way to start this podcast. It's, it's the same feeling I had yesterday watching DC United take on the freaking Chicago Fire. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know what else to say. Mario knows me better than anyone. He knows what I'm going to say, and I might as well say this now. This game was a skippable game. It was unwatchable at times. There's no disrespect to the players. The players went out there, played their guts out. It was physical in the first half. DC United really looked uh, emotionless wouldn't be the word. They just looked uninspired. They played uninspired football, and that's what we got. Except the second half, DC United really woke up. Taxi Funtas played for the first time with his other fellow two DPs. However, DC United could not get the result in Soldier Field. They leave with a scoreless draw. For some, that's cool. But when you're DC United and Wayne Rooney and you get your three DPs on the field at the same time, it is a uninspired result. 0-0 in Chicago. Mario, what are your thoughts on, like I said, if you had a date to go watch the Cherry Blossoms, if you wanted to go, uh, I think there was no other sports yesterday outside of the Spirit. If you wanted to go have dinner after the Spirit game, this was the game for you. So, Mario, what were your thoughts on this marquee affair between the Fire and United? Uh, so, pardon my French when I say the following. This game was dog. Absolute. I think you forget at times I have to edit the podcast, and I'm going to have to try and remember to, to edit that out. Let's see if I remember to blank out the, the S word there. All right. Uh, more. Yeah, this game was horrible. Uh, the first half was, well, put it in better terms, it wasn't that great. I mean, it was physical, but outside of that, there wasn't much to go on. Nobody was really doing much of anything. DC United attacking-wise was mostly trying to heave the ball to Christian Benteke at times. It's no slight to the players. Pretty dec- It was an idea trying to get it to Benteke, but when Chicago is automatically reading these plays, it's kind of just like maybe you can switch it up a bit. But it was uninspired. Uh, I think the second half they did much better, in particular Taxi. Just considering that he played the full 90 after not being available for the first couple games of the season and only playing 20 in the last game against New England. But other than that, yeah, this was a pretty skippable, skippable game, like you said. And, well, at least Tyler Miller got his first clean sheet of the season. Yeah, Tyler Miller was probably the player of the game for United, making that save on the Ola Kamar cross uh, header. Um he was probably the player of the match. Got that save, got two saves at the end of the day. Look, DC United's second half performance made up for a first half that was Chicago being the aggressor. They were trying to pick apart Jacob Green, who had his second start. I thought he played well. He did well cleaning up. Um, this was one of those games where dirty work led to success, and I thought that he did a good job with his clean tackles. Um Taxi was very influential, more in the second half than the first half. I thought in the first half he was just 
it was he, they lacked getting possession. Chicago held the majority of possession was far the aggressor, and that is without their DP Shakiri on the field. So Chicago should have scored at some point. However, I think most of the online attention is going to what happened to Taxi Funtas in the second half, where he got fouled in the penalty area. Uh, there was no VAR check. The referee said it was not a foul. It has been a universal um, selection, if you will, to say that that was a foul. Wayne Rooney mentioned it um, during the press conference that he thought also that it was a uh, penalty kick. Disappointed um, with VAR um, because I think it's a clear penalty. Um, I don't know. Firstly, I know I, get, I understand it's very difficult for referees. Um, so I don't understand how, firstly, he gives a foul against Taxi. Um, and secondly, even more importantly, I don't understand how VAR don't overturn it. So um, that's disappointing. I thought it was a pen. Did you think it was a pen? Oh, it was very much a penalty kick. Uh, the defender clearly takes Taxi down. Just the simple fact that I guess the defender sold the uh, act of going down a little bit harder was pretty much what swayed the referee. And when you have VAR, you may want to use it. That was a very much a, VA, uh, a play that you could check with VAR. But that was a penalty at the end of the day. And the fact that he didn't call it was pretty, pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah, I'm only going to add the fact that this is the Wayne became the second coach later on. The LA Galaxy had a handball in the penalty area, which led to their coach. To, to also complain about the refereeing, um, the inconsistency of the calls throughout the game in all levels of U.S. soccer yesterday was very, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. If you were a fan of U.S. soccer refereeing, yesterday was not your day. Uh, we'll talk about the spirit in a second. But I thought that was Taxi's PK. In terms of him, Klitsch, and Vintike, I'm less with you on the, oh, it's just a heave it to Venteke. It's, yes, he is part of the game plan. Give him the ball so he can do hold-up play to bring in Taxi and Click. But I felt that in that first half, there was a lot of struggle from United in terms of continued possession. Um, And you kind of saw the space open up for Taxi in the second half. I don't know if that was more or less due to all the subs that Chicago was doing or what it was. But um, I did think United played well. They played not dirty, but very physical defensive soccer. And at the end, it helped get the draw. I just think that a game against Chicago like that, that's a game that you want to win. And with the schedule, the way it's kind of lining up, you have Columbus coming soon. Um, back to your home after they smacked you at their house. And it, there's Not only no- that, Columbus is is rolling in on a – is coming off of back-to-back wins at home, which includes a 6-1 spanking of Atlanta. And and, la- and, guess, and last night beating uh, uh, RSL. And then the next three games, like, originally, if you were a DC United fan after Columbus – all three are winnable games. Now the situations have changed. You have Montreal, FC Montreal, who took a beatdown against Vancouver yesterday. 
They're going to desperately looking to get a result at home against D.C. Then D.C. travels to Orlando, which is never an easy place to play. And Orlando is going to be looking to, um, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of, they're going to be looking to try and bounce back after the failures in the CCL. And then you come back home for Charlotte. Charlotte, yes, D.C. United took care of them last year. They're not the same Charlotte that they saw on opening day last year. So I I can't I shudder to think that people think that's a winnable game. So th- this went from that's what was so important about getting three points. Yes, they got the draw and they got a point. I'm not trying to shake off the fact that United got a decent result away from home. But when Tyler Miller is your player of the game, that kind of tells you what kind of game we're talking about here? Was it a really defensive affair? And United was missing several players. You had Derek Williams out, uh, Matai Akaboni still out with the concussion. Uh, Brendan Heinzeich's got the foot injury still. Uh, Jaez the thigh injury. Andy Nahar were still kind of unknown. Wayne kind of said during the press conference during the week, "Oh, Andy's going to be ready by next week." I don't believe him. I saw Andy in a walking book less than a week ago. I don't trust that. Uh, but you know, Ruan kind of looked limpy at most points after taking a tackle early in the fir- late in the first half. I- I'm kind of concerned on the depth on this squad now at this point. Yeah, I think that I agree was a concern last week. I think if if I remember correctly, Ruan also was uh, walking off an injury at the end of the game last week. So the injury concerns continue to pile up. And when you don't have when you don't have enough depth, it kind of come. It's kind of concerning, especially considering the next three to four games that you have against really tough opponents. And so there's some questions that need to that need to be answered there. Also, I think Chris Mueller was one of the better players of the game for Chicago. He was absolutely pretty. Uh, I want to say it was on Ruan's side. He was pretty much taking taking them on and taking them and creating his own opportunities. I just think Tyler Miller was again, like we mentioned, was the player of the game. He was inspired, and so I I think that those are lingering questions that um that need to be answered in the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully they get O'Brien uh, in into the fold. It'll help out a little bit. But considering that a lot of the injuries are on the defensive side, how do you go about it? How And how do you live and how do you address that issue? Knowing that you may have some concerns on the defensive end of the ball. I know Hayden Sarge's uh, came in late in the game last night. Maybe that's a solution going in going in uh Akimboni to get depending how he's gonna how he fares you need to get some bodies back on, on defense because the injuries are kind of racking up there and I think with Ruan you can uh try a little bit of time management if you will or manage his minutes a little more just because you don't have a lot of depth on that side of the ball either so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see how how Wayne Rooney's going to address this going forward moving forward and especially when you have four games like against four difficult opponents like Columbus like like Montreal, Orlando and then Charlotte to play at home two of these games at home it's going to be interesting to see how how they address the depth issue I don't think there's much of a depth issue on the defensive side. Again, like you said, once they get some of those bodies back, 
Um, I think DC will be fine. I we got to see Donovan Pines get a start in. Uh, hopefully, you know Wayne didn't really acknowledge it during the post game. That was really short. Um, he didn't really get to acknowledge what kind of injury Derek Williams was under. Um, obviously, Andy, like we said, will probably be touch and go for the next couple weeks, being in that boot, regardless of what Wayne is saying um, publicly. And then you also have Pedro Santos that's out with a knee injury, too. So that that's kind of something that needs to be addressed. I know they've said it's a two to three week injury, but it could it could linger a little more depending how well he rehabs. Right. He was on the bench last night. Um, He, you know, push came to shove. I wonder if he would have probably gotten 10 minutes if necessary. Um, Defensively, I mean, I'm tired of us picking up players that we don't get to watch. Hayden Sarges, why not? Let's see what he's got. Like, Open Cup doesn't start till later. Let's see what he's got, if there's more. But honestly, I thought Donovan Pines had a great performance. Um, Steve Birnbaum is showing that he could still, you know, turn back the clock a little bit at times. And he also had a standout performance as well. So I think in terms of defensively, they're fine. I think where my issue is, is more on the offensive side. Uh, Christian Bateke, he's not an, he's not going to be able to play a full 90 every game. He should be, you know, being able to come out. And from there, you're like, well, who could be the starting nine? Who could be the nine? Roberta is not really a nine. And it seems to me that Wayne doesn't want him as a nine. He wants to put him more of where Click is or more where Taxi is, but as a backup. So you he's had the taste with it, but he's not really played in that role since – um a year and a half ago really so you 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 but if necessary i guess you have roberta and that's that i mean and your- t- you also have yamil Assad. yamil Assad played as a starter for the first time last night it was a serviceable performance but i think i want to say it's either dpa kudph or fletcher that came in for him and i think both of them played really well coming off the bench and DPH had been a starter, so I guess just giving him some rest and trying to see what the what the starting just tinkling tinkering with the starting lineup. I, I think DPH Kudipietro coming off the bench was pre, had a pretty good performance. Uh, Christian Fletcher came coming off the bench had another serviceable performance. So I think with those two, you're pretty much set. I think Emil Assad had an okay game. I think that. He's still building up his fitness levels a little more. So it, it's it's I think he will be another option to play on the wing as well. Yeah, wings I think will be slightly fine. It would be good if they get a secondary pickup. However, I do think that we need a backup striker for Benteke. Like again, Benteke is not gonna want to be be able to play a full 90. That's what I'm saying. Like Wayne did acknowledge in the press conference before the game on Thursday that they are looking for one more player. The transfer window closes this month. So United's going to be looking to make one more key addition um, for the offense. And to be honest, that's where I see. I see them needing a backup striker. If they can't find anything in Europe, I really do consider them going out on the trade market to see what they can find. There's got to be a couple of guys that are starving for some playing time that could probably fill in a role behind Christian Bizheke, wouldn't mind coming off the bench. There's got to be a couple of guys like that on the, like the first thing, not not to say that I think it, it is this man, but the first name that comes to mind is Josie Altidore. 
a guy who can play the exact same position. His hold-up play is very similar to Christopher Tickets, but he's just a little older, and he's gonna he's looking for playing time. I know that he's coming off an injury, and New England sees them as a part of their squad, but I'm just saying a player like that. It was such a different Chicago team when Kai Kamara came in, and that's what I'm talking about, a substitute that could come in and change the game for a team when things weren't coming off right. And Kai made such a difference in the second half when he came in for Chicago. So I think that's what United really needs. If they can't really um, find someone in Europe that's willing to take that role, I do think there's serviceable MLS players that can do that job. Yeah, and if not, you could also look at to see who's still available in free agency to to fill to fulfill that role. Exactly, but you know, United's going to be playing this game coming up against Columbus. Uh, please, the same defensive performance should happen the next game. There's one thing that's clear from that last game: there was a lot of ball watching that led to the the goals in that Columbus game. That just cannot happen at home. Uh, DC United fans are not going to be thrilled if another 3-0 against Columbus tends that that will happen again. And they uh, had, and Columbus has a lot more dangerous offensive weapons. Not only do you have Lucas Celarayan, you've got Cucho Hernandez. You also have a returning Christian Ramirez, who in his first game got a brace. So they've, they've got some attacking options that can really do damage. So I think defensively they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's for that game as well. Yep, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, and like I said, it's going to be an interesting affair being that United had a chance for three points here, but leave with just one and head home out of the Windy City to the windy parts of D.C. Uh, another place that was windy was Louisville, was Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky, where the Washington Spirit had to settle for a 2-2 draw, another draw. Um, after taking a 2-0 lead, in at halftime, uh, Ashley Hatch scores her first two goals of the season, gets the brace, um, and, and it looked to be like the Spirit were going to be able to get a good result away from home, which is pretty hard in the NWSL. However, it would be Louisville who struck back with two goals in the at the end of the second at the second half to get the draw. Um, Got Ari Borgas. Uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, but she Borges. hit this. Borges, Ari Borges, scored this screamer to tie the game in the 65th minute. Can we, can we talk about no that one that could. That, that sure. She, she hit that perfectly. I don't know if it was like a no look kind of a thing, but she just hit it with such power, and it was impossible for Kingsbury to get to. And I, I think, I think that's just. Probably going to early candidate for goal of the season right there. Yeah, and and it kind of was the tipping point of for uh it was the kind of the tipping point for Louisville. Like Louisville, uh, Kanu had to be subbed out right before halftime because she took a she took a ball to the face after um <laughs> it was Sam Stop trying to clear the ball and just cracked it really hard and it. Hit her right in the jaw. It was and like that's a heavy not fun at all, especially no. considering it was in a windy, windy, cold setting. That exactly. More. Uh, they did at first the the concussion substitution 
but it then turned into she was going to stay out for the rest of the game. So, um, but in terms of the spirit, I thought that first half they did great. They found perfect pockets to get Ashley Hatch the ball. They got in. Trini Raman did well in the second goal to get that chip cross right into her feet, and she did a she did a good job at slowing down when she had the one on one with the keeper to get the goal off her left foot. Um, it, and then you also had on the first goal, uh, Paige made a Madier, um, getting her with the ball. I really did think Spirit were going to run away and score a couple more, but. Louisville did a good job with their substitutions, bringing in Paige Monahan to help with the attack. DeMello, um, who was marked out of the first half, found her way into the game in the second half. And uh, I thought Louisville did a good job at coming back for the spirit. Yes, a, a draw in this case is good. The NWSL, you don't really get a lot of good results away from home unless you're one of the best. So, in terms of the spirit and the start of this project, um, under Mark Parsons, I think it was just a good a good result overall. Right, and you kind of work out the kinks a little bit that were there in the first game. I feel like they were a lot more defensively stable. And also this game kind of turned into a tale of two halves. The spirit were a lot more dominant in the first half, got the two goals from Ashley Hatch, and in the second half, Louisville was able to come back and Louisville probably could have gotten a third goal later on in the game, but I think defensively they stay, they uh, the Spirit were able to st- uh, to stand their ground and get the draw as a result. So you're work you're working a little more on the kinks, but still it's a positive result to get out on the road. Any chance you get getting a point off on the road is always a good thing. Yeah, and I thought. I thought one of the turning points was Ashley Hatch, excuse me, Ashley Sanchez not being able to play the second half. We ended up finding out that she was a little sick coming into the game, so her availability was not going to be at 100%. They chose the player to start and then get herself down. I thought Nicole Douglas did a great job. There, but I do one thing I do want to bring up um, the set piece situation. I, I have, I'm not a fan of. I'm going to get hate for this. Uh, Sam Staub is great at corners. He's terrible at free kicks. Like, I, I, um, I mean, the, free, the last free kick she took, she was kind of close, but I kind of agree with you. She's not the best free kick taker on the and team. And the one I'm talking about is around the 80th minute, They uh, Trinity Raman gets tackled, like, directly on the edge of the penalty area. A good left footer can curl it. A right footer can at least do a direct shot at it. Um or in this case, what Stam did, she left-footed, tried to go to the far post. It just didn't bend, and I've seen her with these free kicks. I actually, and I think we were talking about this over the phone when we were watching this game, I said I actually would prefer Andy Sullivan going with her right foot. And it's not because I don't think Sam Staub is great. I think that Sam Staub is good at further free kicks that can and crosses into the area. Corner kicks, she does a well enough job. She does need to get better in finding Hatch. But I do think that when Sanchez isn't there, Spirit are lacking another potent uh, spot kicker. And so maybe this is one of those times where 
you go to a Trinity Rodman and you say, hey, the next evolution of your game, you see Cristiano, you see Leo, you see uh, Alex Morgan, your teammate, they take free kicks, they take pins. Maybe, you know, we've seen Trinity take some pins. Maybe this is her time that she's going to have to learn to take free kicks. But that's maybe I'm wrong. But I, I just I think they need another a person that when it gets to the closer edge of that penalty area around the 25 mark where it can be directly at the keeper, they need someone who's going to challenge the keeper. And I didn't think that in those couple of cases that we had yesterday, Sam's delivery was not towards goal. Maybe it's because she's more of a defender, really. But maybe see if Tara McCune wants to um, – McCune. <laughs> we got the correct pronunciation. The announcers have lied to us. Um, we, I was right the entire time. Uh, <laughs> so Tara yeah, McCune could probably take it. Tara could probably take it. I would like to see if Andy would like to take it. Um, I just think that there needs or to be ba- a better or, or Bailey Fleiss maybe or Dorian or, ba- or Dorian Bailey could also step step up. You've got several options to yeah. see who you could have as a free kick taker. It doesn't necessarily have to be Sam Staub. I know that it's one of those options you have, but you've got several other options in players that are a lot more offensive minded and could definitely take a crack at it from a free kick and probably hit it a little more on target. And I'm not trying to say that Sam isn't that great. Again, I think her corner kicks have gotten way better. Uh, I think it was Jason uh, Jason Anderson of USA Today who kind of mentioned last year she's probably their, the, the league's best offensive defensive player with the amount of passes she creates and the amount of attacks she creates on just on the in the spirits' bottom third to help the attack. She she's very good at that. The U.S. Women's National Team should consider her for a call-up soon. I just think in terms of when you're in that direct line and you want that direct shot, you want someone who's going to either – who has the finesse to curl it perfectly. And we've seen Sanchez do it. Um, she, again, she wasn't available for this shot. But you need someone who's either got the finesse or the power to just drop a ball in there and, and make the keeper work. The most important thing is you got to get the keeper to work. And when you're sending it that far post and it's so far that I can't even say, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. It was not even inches away from the post. It was feet away from the post. So it, I, I kind of need it. I, I, you can tell I'm an offensive player. I want more accuracy with my free kicks. Y'all. All right. That's all I'm saying. Hey, man, she hit it so far wide. It was halfway to the Ohio borderline. It wasn't that far. It was it was far enough. You know, like, she was closer to the kids that were playing with the bongos yesterday than she was at the net. That's all I'm saying. I just wanted closer to the net. And and, and I think a lot of – I mean, we've seen two games. Maybe it gets better next week. But when – the Spirit will have next week off because of the international window and we'll take on – North Carolina Courage in North Carolina on April maybe 15th. That's, maybe that's the time you explore to see who you got, who you could have as the other, as another free kick taker. You could explore your options then. Yes. Um, yeah, probably. I, I hope so. Um, we do have to mention that Paige M- M- Mater, um got her got her first red card, and what a wonderful performance! She played a full ninety, but getting got two yellows. 
in the last 10 minutes, so she will miss the next match. Meanwhile, also, <laughs> Mark Parsons got a yellow. Um, he wouldn't dwell much in detail, but essentially he said some nice things to the fourth official, and the fourth official decided, let me tell the referee, and the yellow card was shown. So I don't think the fourth official was very appreciative of the nice words that Mark Parsons was directing <laughs> no. towards them. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, uh, I do think we should talk about this just because I think it it, it makes Spirit fans happy about it. Um, Chelsea have fired their manager, uh, <laughs> and um, it's just so funny that we could have had. That could have been uh, that could have been the spirit on the ownership. <laughs> I'll say it. that could have been the spirit. Well, you yes. know, your lucky stars that Michelle Kang decided to become majority owner and hire. And you know, I'm not saying that Grand Potter isn't the most competent coach in the world, but you know. So let's just clear things up. So Grand Potter, who is the coach of the men's club over at Chelsea, uh, was recently fired from his post as the manager over at uh, Chelsea Football Club, who is owned by Todd Bowley. Todd Bowley, who is a Maryland native from Montgomery County, um, was the first name mentioned when the Spirit were technically on sale at the end of last season. It looked like he was going to have the numbers until Michelle Kang said, gotcha, beep. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's just like it, she played the political game and she got the other minority owners to vote her in as the majority owner. And she then paid a record fee of about 30 to 38 million dollars. So it makes you wonder that Todd was ready to also shell out similar numbers reportedly for the Washington Spirit, and then, funny enough, after the Spirit thing fell through, he, the amateur that he is ends up buying Chelsea. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, are, are, we, are we happy? I've been saying this at my job. I am happy it's not Tom Boldy, who is the man trying to buy the commanders, that he was not the man trying to – that ended up not getting the Spirit – I am just now seeing the crap show that is my favorite Premier League club. It is it is astounding that it's got me wishing for a Russian back. Just say, hey, uh, as a uh, as a fan, as a Premier League fan of a rival club of yours, makes the loss today feel not so that ba- not that bad after all. It could be worse. I could be a Chelsea fan. Yeah, because he has now fired two managers. Since taking control of the of Chelsea in a and span he fired of the first manager like the week seven after. games in seven yeah. games <laughs> in. I man, I, if, if there's anything where I'm just sitting here going like, um, so this is where spending goes wrong, and trying to throw all your marbles into spending money in players during the winter transfer market. Uh, yeah, Todd Bowley and Chelsea are a perfect example of that. Yeah. As you can tell, I don't have much to say. <laughs> I mean, listen, when you try to upend Arsenal on trying to get a player and pay, what, 40 million euros more than the than the market market at uh market value price of the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 
That could have been the spirit under Todd Bowley, but you know, thank God Michelle Gang pot the team. All I'm gonna say is I would have expected with the way Todd is acting with Chelsea, I would have expected him to break um some rules. I do think, by the way, the NWSL needs to give us some salary numbers and I wanna see how legit was this uh two million dollar deal. I mean this one million dollar deal that Trinity Rodman is paying and why we couldn't keep a certain amount of players. Um, that is another discussion for another day. This is our financial um, discussion of the day over here. <laughs> um, but I do think the spirit benefited not getting Todd Bowley. I do think one way that the spirit did not benefit out of not getting Todd Bowley is he is a local. And there is something about having a local in charge. There is no, correct me if I'm wrong, like no one of our – Outside of the learners who are looking to sell the nationals, there's no real locals that own any of the franchises in the area. And Dan Snyder's a local. Uh, uh, I see him going out to right now, so I don't count him. <laughs> but uh, so uh, maybe the, the, if I I might be wrong, but they're one of the one of the ownership groups that are looking to take over the commanders do have a local. Um, so maybe, and this is the Magic Johnson group. Uh, I forget which millionaire out of the two that really are taking on the franchise is a local. But I do think that it kind of sucks that way because we kind of shunned our own local. But at the same time, it's kind of funny and awesome to see him totally wreck that football club that was already wrecked and basically have them sinking further and further away from Champions League. And now, magically, they're going to have to beat Real Madrid, which, no. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did you hear the news? Eden Hazard played today for Real Madrid. Well, on that lovely note, that is enough <laughs> of us for the Pat Overyoutsy podcast. A shorter show than usual because that's what you get when you have two teams draw. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like that is the perfect way to end it on a very quiet but reserved note. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to know what I'm working on or you just want to see gifts of me uh, making fun of Jose and the troubles that are going on with his current Premier League club, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. You want to know what's going on in the world around you or in the DMV or in Latin America or wherever wherever you want to get news from, you can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, ElTiempoLatino.com. And if you just want to put money in my pocket just because you like me, you can go to the, your local newsstand or metro station today. Sadly, Twitter's going to hell. I think I can say that. But you can still <laughs> oh, follow me there. I do not have a blue check, but I am still the only Jose underscore M underscore Omana <laughs> on the dang site. So you can find me there if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or more. I'll start publishing more on my Instagram account. Uh, being that this website's going to go to poop in, in a matter hey, of moments. Thanks a lot, Elon Musk. Uh, special shout-out, as always, to Kevin McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, as always, to rate and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Like Once again, thank you so much, guys, 
for tuning into the Battle of Versailles podcast. You guys are the reason we continue to do this even when we get two lousy draws. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for the support, and adios. Thank you.